Well, hello, everybody. This is Colin from Salt of the Streets, and we are coming at you today with a little extra recording that uh, I actually made a day or two after the shootings in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio took place. I had some thoughts rolling around in my noggin and just wanted to get them down and to kind of send over to uh, our good buddy Donovan to for him to listen to, and uh, we decided that... This is probably the best time for you to get this stuff because I am probably out in the woods right now hunting and Donovan is taking care of the the family, making sure everything's ready to go while I'm out in the woods. And other than that, I just wanted to kind of give a little uh, context on the front end here before we dive right in. And just a quick little reminder that if you dig what Donovan and I are trying to build over here at Salt of the Streets by bridging that gap between people and information, trying to create an informed citizenry so that we can have wholesome and productive conversations with each other in hopes to find the true path forward, make sure to give us a little like on our social medias, give us a follow, give us a rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're on right now, whether it be Apple, iTunes, Spotify, The Great Podcoin, whatever it is. Be sure to give us a little love on there and spread the word to all your family and friends and coworkers and everybody on the great green wide planet that we have here. So anyways, make sure to do that. We'll love you forever. And I suppose now we can start the show. Hey everyone, Colin here from Salt of the Streets. Hey, I'm just coming at you with a quick little something something here. Um, honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to post this, so this just might be an exercise in uh, audio therapy for somebody like myself. So what I want to talk about today is based on the two shootings that took place over the weekend, one in Dayton, Ohio, and one in El Paso, Texas, both of which took an, a, just a ridiculously terrible toll on the communities around them and and on the nation as a whole. I mean, every time there's a mass shooting, we all feel it in some way or another, whether we like it or not, which I also think speaks to part of the problem here and something that we're going to get into a little bit later. Um, but I do want to just say this one thing before we get going. I am going to be playing some some thought exercises here out. And so I might get into a little bit of dice territory for some people, and I really apologize for probably some of the finger pointing that I'm going to do. And I say finger pointing because I'm not really going to call out too many people other than, you know, Cory Booker and Beto O'Rourke for calling the president a white supremacist. Boom, nailed it. And But what I really want to focus on is the culture, the people in the United States, we'll just say, the the electorate as a whole, um, and then the the media networks behind it, the alternative media that pushes certain things. I mean, Everything that you hear from podcasts up to CNN on the nightly news, whatever it is. And really what I want to do is kind of pose an alternative theory to why some of these mass shootings might be taking place. And it's not violent video games. It's not guns in general and everybody having guns. Newsflash, we've all had guns for a very, very long time in the United States. And even some of the, even during some of the most violent times in the United States, we haven't seen gun violence at a level like we do today. And why is that? That's what I keep asking myself this. Why is this continuing to happen? We have politicians talking about, quote unquote, common sense gun legislation and mandatory background checks and so on and so forth, which I'm pretty sure you can't really buy a gun for the most part without going through a background check. I think a lot of it has to do with irresponsible gun owners, for one, that do not secure their firearm in a safe place 
and literally they are the only ones that have access to it. I think that might be part of the problem here. But I think the bigger the bigger problem at play here is I think one of volume. And I think what this really what we're really talking about here is the amount of people, the sheer volume of people involved in today's political rhetoric and, you know, involved in the culture wars, talking about ideas and and whatnot, right? Uh, we've we've noticed an uptick in these mass shooters publishing online their their manifestos where they kind of lay out why they're doing this incredibly heinous act that they're doing and they try to justify it in some way which 100% unjustifiable let's not get anything crossed here but i think there is something to be said about this sheer volume of people involved in the conversations that we're having these days i mean you're listening to me on the internet right now on a podcast. I mean, this if this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there's no way I would ever dream about having my voice broadcast to anybody that would ever think that they just want to listen to it. I mean, it's really a marvelous thing when you think about it, but much like many technical marvels in this modern age, I think it's a double-edged sword in some occasions. And again, this is probably going to sound a little crass, but whenever there's a mass shooting, which... Again, happens a hell of a lot more than it used to be, and and they're you know one mass shooting is too many, but they're they're just so there's just so many of them these days. They happen so often. Um, it's very easy to become desensitized to them, and I think we got a special dose on this one because it was kind of a double whammy back to back. I think they happened within 13 hours of each other. Don't quote me on that. I am purposefully not reading too much into all the details right now. Um, I like to kind of let these things kind of marinate for a few days and really start to dig through all the narratives and, and try to find all the facts for all these situations a few days after these things have kind of gone through. And, and you know, some of the the more inflamed, impassioned people kind of, you know, their voices slowly start to kind of come down and, you know, then it's time to really get in and, and dig down for all the, the nitty gritty details and facts about every one of these situations. But the very little political punditry that I did hear today was as disheartening as it usually is. We heard the typical calls for gun control and, you know, the president talked about how violent video games might be an aspect of this. And then he, of course, which I do like, you know, he did point to the need for mental health and, you know, all this good stuff, which I think is a key factor. But I think, again, we're still kind of behind the ball on this thing. And I, I I might have an idea why. And I really what it comes down to, I think, is so pick so just think about this for a second. In today's world, there is a 24-7 news cycle available for you with just about any kind of spin that you might like. You could be listening to the Salt of the Streets podcast. You might be a nightly CNN listener, watcher, viewer, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. You know, you might listen to NPR or AM radio with a lot of political talk shows or something. But it is the sheer content volume of political content out there today and ideological content and just, you know, general culture punditry, we'll just say, is probably at the highest it's it's ever been. And there is, obviously, there's an audience for it. But who 
is listening? Who is this audience that we're talking to? Are they all well-adjusted people that can can speak the political lingo, can can deal with the mudslinging, can deal with these inflated ideas that that always get thrown around in politics? Whether it's the President Trump calling Baltimore rat-infested, you know, fill in the blank. But, you know, there's, I think what it really might come down to is the fact that, you know, when we talk about politics, right, there is there is a class of individuals that we generally refer to as the political punditry. And this is the the talking heads you see on CNN. This is people like myself or even Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, Joe Rogan in some ways. Um, you know, anybody who gets up there and talks about these type of things on a, on a regular basis and who cares about them and, and who tries to inform other people about what's going on. Well, Obviously, there's an audience, like we said earlier, but I don't know how well adjusted the audiences are to these these this type of rhetoric. I mean, we hear our politicians today, especially days like today, that where they talk about the heated rhetoric, and you know, Trump is pushing people into white supremacy, and he's pushing people to to extreme ends where they're going to commit an act of violence. I think there might be. You know, there's a shred of truth to that. I think there might be a lot more truth than than they're letting on, to be honest. But I think the unfortunate part about that is that anybody who's calling out the president today on his heated rhetoric and trying to blame things, the events of this weekend, on his rhetoric, right? I think they need to take a look at the mirror. Yes, President Trump's rhetoric is, at best, terrible. And it has been since day one. The dude is not a great speaker. He's kind of an idiot. And he just, most of the time, just spouts off what's on his mind. Um, especially when you look at things like his Twitter feed, right? But now turn the tables on everybody that's attacking President Trump. Every every major news media, every Vox article, every Slate article, you know, all these different, all these different political pundancy organizations, we'll just call them, their rhetoric is just as bad, right? And it's it's one thing, don't get me wrong, I do not believe that rhetoric causes violence here, you know what I mean? You cannot, Bernie Sanders was not responsible, I'm going to just pull this line probably from Shapiro today, but Bernie Sanders was not responsible for his acolyte, we'll just say that, you know, who pulled the trigger at the congressional softball game years ago. That was not Bernie Sanders' fault. Just like Charlottesville was not President Trump's fault. Just like this last series of incidents was not really anybody's fault, other than, I think, the fact that everybody's just talking about this stuff. We're talking about it in a very heated way, which, if you're new to politics, is not a new thing. This has been like this for a long time. I mean, I challenge you to go back and just kind of read some of the, you know, the congressional documents from back during, you know, times near the founding of the nation. Things got very, very weird, and there were some very upsetting things said. But I think the difference is, anybody that was around that type of rhetoric and around that type of language spoke the same language. You know, they we know the rhetoric of politics is not a clean game. There's a lot of things that are said to attack opponents, to attack po- opponents, not just that you might be running against, but that are just kind of like your ideological nemesis, right? 
And at the end of the day, you know, just think about how politicians in Congress these days talk about, you know, their colleagues on the other side of the aisle. You know, my friend so-and-so over here, or my friend Senator so-and-so here, before they turn around and attack them as viciously as possible. And this is not something new to politics, like I said before, but what is new is the sheer volume of voices and ears that are listening that get into this conversation in the citizenry, in the everyday normal folks who are working terrible jobs and who are too stressed out from just trying to make ends meet, and then they get surrounded by all these these hot-button issues that they probably care about, but are not really mentally equipped to deal with all this crap. Usually, they can you know, there's small ways that people can talk about the the issues they care about, so on and so forth, with their friends, their family, their colleagues, their coworkers, whatever it is. And then they just kind of continue to move and and work and you just carry on with their life. But in today's world, if you are if you have the appetite for it, you can get it. Whether it's political commentary or just about anything under the sun. I mean, you if you really have an appetite for something, you can get it. But the real problem is not in getting what you want, it's getting what you want when you're not prepared to deal with it, when, you were, when you're not mentally capable of handling all the information that you're in, in taking. I mean, we talk about information overload as kind of like a normal thing that people experience in their everyday lives, and a lot of times people just need to shut it off for a little while, go disappear out into the nature, or go spend time with family and friends, and just step away from your phone, get away from all the unhealthy crap that's happening on your phone. But the problem is all the unhealthy crap that's going on your phone is also taking place throughout the country. There are people every day that intake this stuff and they internalize it and they don't understand that political rhetoric is not an it's not an end game. This is just a it's a tool to get things done. It's a tool to fire up a voting base so that they can get their votes next election. I mean, this is this is something that without a sheer understanding of of really what it's all about, it's a very dangerous path to go down and it can lead to some pretty severe radicalization which I think we've seen time and time and time again. And it's not the president's fault and it's not the news media's fault. Yes, it kind of is, but it's also, they're just giving you information, whether you like it or not. I do not listen to a, a ton of CNN commentators because I think they're all full of crap and it's it's just a total spin zone. It's the same reason I don't really watch any of the major networks. I mean, believe it or not, their written articles that they post online are, are generally a lot better than the conversation they're having on whatever their primetime nightly news segments are. But if you're not if you're not prepared to handle this kind of rhetoric, it has a troubling effect on the mind. And I know this seems like a weird conversation to have because th- th- in the age of social media, what's the greatest thing about this? It gives just about everyone a voice if they so choose to broadcast that voice. But the, also, the, the problem is that anybody can broadcast their fucking voice. I mean, you have people that just don't think things through a lot of the times. You know, there's no gatekeepers for the most part anymore. And you're just free to consume whatever it is you want to consume. And whether that's extremist ideologies spread out there on fucking 4chan, 8chan, whatever the hell that 
dark void of the internet is, or you're just getting fired up listening to MSNBC, listening to Don Lemon, or listening to Chris Cuomo, or you know any of the mainstream political pundits that are on TV these days. I mean, the rhetoric that they spout, mind you, if you're of if you're more aligned with their ideology, what they say sounds a little better to you, which is why I think we see extremists on both sides of the political spectrum here. You know, you got to think about that that uh, political horseshoe that a lot of people talk about, right? Where you have the right on one side, you have the left on the other side, where the two meet, obviously is right at the, the top of the arc, that's the center, and then you kind of go out from there. But then guess what? As you follow the left and the right out, they close back in on each other. And these are the two the two areas of extremism that we have in kind of our modern-day political context as we think about the left versus the right and so on and so forth. But it's really important to realize that whether you go far left or whether you go far right, there is always violence at the end. Now, what do we do about this? I don't, I don't quite know because I do not want to – I don't want to – talk about limiting speech or limiting rhetoric or any of that thing. It's unhealthy and it's, I mean, frankly, it's unconstitutional. Mind you, you should be careful in what you think, um, in what you say, and you should think about what you say before you say it. You think about the implications of it. You think about how different people could take that information that you're saying, whatever message you're putting forth. But at the end of the day, it's a free country and it's I mean, it's a free internet. You can broadcast whatever ideas you want. Look at the rise in conspiracy theories that we've had. I mean, more people today think the Earth is flat than probably ever in history, including when the entire world thought the Earth was flat. I mean, for God's sakes, there just wasn't that many people back then. But I guess the point that I'm trying to make here, again, and forgive me if, if I've already beaten this dead horse to the ground, but I think what our real problem here is that we have a an endless amount of political punditry available. We have an endless amount of people talking about ideas and and different aspects of the culture wars that are playing out every day. Every hot-button issue you can think of, there's like a niche market out there. There's people that care about all this stuff. And soon, the tribalism starts to form. And then you have bigger tribes, and you know you have a lot of people that, that begin to hold certain values sacred. Whether or not those those values that they're building are cohesive and comprehensive or not, whether they're thought through or whether they're just blatantly bad ideologies and bad ideas that people buy into, because they do. Obviously, we've seen it happen in the rise in in white supremacy and anti-Semitism and just you know anti-leftist speech, anti-conservative speech. I mean, it, there's all manner of extreme ideas out there. And there's no shortage of people willing to sit there and soak it up like a sponge. So I don't think the rhetoric is the problem. I think it's us. I think it's the people who consume all this stuff on an unhealthy level. Everybody's different. Everybody can handle a different amount of this stuff. I mean, I, I'm trying to do this for a living, for God's sakes, and it bothers me every now and again. There's there's times where we just have to take a break for a week because this it's so toxic and so nasty that you just got to, every now and again, step out of your box and appreciate that there is a bigger, wider world out there where where all the, the hot-button issues of the day don't actually come into play in your everyday life. But the minute that you begin to just soak all this up, and then you stew on it, 
and you don't do anything about it. And then it soothes. Then next thing you know, you're building up resentment towards different people. And soon you have contempt for your own life. And then boom, we get another mass shooting. So really what I'm doing right now is I want to challenge everybody out there who consumes politics in some fashion. I want to, I want to challenge everybody to go outside. Just quit thinking about this. Don't bring your fucking headphones. Maybe just bring your headphones, put some music on, but stay away from the rhetoric for a little while. Focus on your friends. Focus on your family. If you don't have friends or family, focus on nature. Focus on your work. Focus on something that's that's smaller than the giant ideas being broadcast out there in politics. Because every single politician wants to, they want to convince you that whatever ideas that they're running on, whatever talking points they're running on, whatever ideas they're trying to push are as important to you than your own life. I mean, these are existential crisis mode. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about, if you're talking about healthcare, you're talking about millions of people getting pulled off of healthcare if you go this way, or you can go the Medicare for all route and everybody's safe. And these are, these are ideas and policies and concepts that, you know, politicians want you to care about because there are things that you should care about, right? But at the end of the day, you need to understand that it's none of this stuff is life or death. You know, if you live on the border, you have a little bit different relationship with what's going on on the border with the immigration crisis. If you're somebody that's right there on the front lines that has to deal with illegal immigrants crossing the border, then that's a reality you have to live with. But if you're not Yes, you should still care about that. If you're really concerned with child separations, you should be you should care about that. You should learn everything there is to know about that. But I mean, at the end of the day, you need to understand that you have a life to live. You have friends and family and coworkers and colleagues and all these things that that rely on you to be who you are and to be a normal member of society. If you are consuming too much of this this rhetorical nonsense that is political rhetoric these days. And if it's really starting to affect you, hit the pause button. You know, pull the ejector seat. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be surrounded by this stuff. You can go out somewhere. You could shut off. You could put on the TV. You could play a video game. You could do just about anything else than listen to this kind of crap that gets you all worked up. And there's so much anxiety. There's so much stress. There's so much depression. There's all this, all this stuff that if you decide that you want to get into the world of politics, if you want to care about all these ideas and really be an informed, you know, citizen, you have a right to do that. You have a, I would say you have a duty to do that, but not at an unhealthy level. There is certainly an unhealthy level for everybody's different, right? You're going to have your threshold for bullshit is going to be different than my threshold for bullshit, you know, and if you're one of those people that really takes politics to heart and really you really deeply care about these things, if you really deeply care about the immigration crisis or you really deeply care about socialism and inequality, well, I hate to say it, man, but newsflash, those conversations are still going to be happening in a couple of weeks. They're still going to be happening six months from now, for God's sakes. These things are not going to go away. That's, that's not the nature of politics for these things to be handled quickly. The, nat- the true nature of politics is to have these ideas play out in the long term to, so that hopefully 
by the end of it, we have a nice long multi-year conversation back and forth and debate and so on and so forth, then we find a nice middle ground that works for just about everybody. And we push forward through that. I mean, at the end of this thing, really, I just, I don't know what I was hoping to accomplish by kind of sitting down and talking about this today. But I do hope that maybe if you find yourself as one of those people that gets pretty worked up about this stuff, take a break. Take a break, man. There's nothing wrong with unplugging for a little while and enjoying life, getting back to normal, finding center again. Don't be caught up in the never-ending battles of politics and the culture wars. They're not going anywhere. They'll still be here tomorrow. They'll still be here next month. I mean, Dave Rubin, for God's sakes, he does a weekly show on YouTube about politics every single week. And you know what he does? Once a year, he takes an entire month off. Doesn't doesn't turn on his phone. He puts it in a safe, locks it away, and then just lives life for a month and resets. And that's what I think a lot of people need to do here. I think that's the problem. I think we're too involved And I don't think a lot of people are mentally equipped to handle it. And I really hope that doesn't sound like I'm belittling people or trying to, I don't know. But it's an aspect, I think, of society that we need to really look at. We have a problem in society with our daily lives. We have a problem with working bad jobs. We have a problem in this whole system that we've created that that really just treats people like a cogs in a machine or, you know, it's it's the, the never-ending rat race. You're not going to get there. If you're lucky, you might be able to make a breakthrough once, in, once or twice in your lifetime. Something as major as, say, civil rights. That was a once-in-a-lifetime event. I mean, there's a lot of different things here that when we're talking about deep societal change, these things take a lot of time. And by focusing on all the negative... And focusing on how everyone who doesn't think the same way you are, you know, painting them as evil, if you will, because they don't think the right way or they don't hold the same values of you. I mean, frankly, that's un-American when you really think about it. When you truly understand what what American values are, you know, at the end of the day, they're a little bit more libertarian than most people would like to think. It's the general idea that as long as you're not harming me, if you're not infringing on my rights— I don't really give a shit what you do. And I know that sounds a little simplistic, and it it definitely is, but I'm just trying to to make the point here that, yes, you should care about these things, but we should care about each other more. We really should. You know, we've lost so much of that, and, you know, the, the media narratives of today certainly don't help. But at the same time, we're not sheep here. We don't have to listen to what they say. We should be able to listen to what they say and pull out the threads of truth that are buried deep within that. And that's what we try to do here on the podcast, for one. And I think that's what most people in today's world need to do if they want to see past whatever bias is being thrown at you. So I don't really know how to end this thing here, but I guess I'll just end in saying this. Next time you go to the grocery store, look at the people that are around you. Remember that those people are members of your community. They all have names. They all have lives. You guys all probably think a little different because we're all human and we all are different. So next time you read somebody's fucked up posting on Twitter or Facebook, just remember that they're probably caught up in the same bullshit that's getting everybody else spun up in. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe let that terrible comment slide 
Don't you don't don't feel like you have to jump in. Just let it slide, live your life, and just remember that the battle you feel like you need to fight today will still be there tomorrow and the next day. And if we're lucky, we'll all be figuring this thing out together. But that's the key. We need to figure it out together. There is not one side that's evil and one side that is good. We all want the same thing. We really, all we want to do is to be able to live our lives in a fair and semi-equal fashion. We all want to be able to do what we want to do, talk to who we want to talk to, love whoever we want to love. And for God's sake, let's just do that. Please. I'm just, I, I, it's so bad. I'm so tired of dealing with this. If we would just all focus on the fact that we're in this together, we really are. Whether we're talking trans rights, gay rights, guns rights, we're all in this together and we need to start acting like it. So until next time, this is Colin from Salt of the Streets and I am out of here.